The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies. We're talking interviews with actors, directors, spoiler-free movie reviews, and movie history. What other podcast does all those things? Today, we are breaking down the top five zombie movies of all time, at least in my opinion. I just watched Army of the Dead, so it's kind of inspired by that. I'll give that review later on in the podcast. And then I'll also be reviewing another movie called North Hollywood, which is a skateboarding movie with a different twist that I've seen before. So I want to talk about that movie. Without any further ado, let's just get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, let's talk about zombie movies. Now, I think there's a very thin line when it comes to making a great zombie movie a mediocre zombie movie, and then overall just a bad zombie movie. Because really, they all have the overall pretty basic premise. There's something that goes wrong, turns a bunch of people into zombies, and then it's a group of people trying to survive. And I was kind of interested in Army of the Dead and how they had a whole different spin on that, which I'll get into later. But I feel like that's overall the consensus of what a zombie movie is. Now, they were popular in the late 60s, in the 70s with the George A. Romero movies, also in the 80s. But I feel they kind of had a resurgence in the 2000s, which is really when I got into zombie movies. And then I feel like we got oversaturated with zombies in about the 2010s whenever The Walking Dead came out. Although I do feel we had a bit of a shift going from overall just kind of like the straight on zombie horror action genre to the kind of in between comedy and thriller zombie movies, which I think I would say are kind of more of my favorite because I think the zombie genre, there's a lot to kind of have fun with and kind of play with. And also, if you kind of make fun of yourself in a zombie movie, I think it makes it more entertaining. So that's kind of why. I lean a little bit towards some of those movies because when you really think about zombie movies, they can be kind of dumb. The overall premise of what a zombie is, I think you have to have a little bit of campiness in it when you're making a movie, unless you're going on full, hardcore, horror, bloody violence when it comes to zombies. So 
I put together my top five list, and then I also asked the question on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to see what you guys had on your list and how they kind of compared. So knowing that about what I like about horror movies, what I like about zombie movies, and also kind of when I grew up in my influential time of these movies, I think my list will kind of reflect that. So I just wanted to see what you guys thought too. So at number five, we'll get right into it. I went with a newer movie at number five because looking at my list, they were basically all in the 2000s, which I think was probably for me when I really got into them. And after a while, I got a little bit burnt down to the whole genre. So I think in the 2000s are really when I was like, oh, this is what I want to watch right now. But last year I watched a movie called Hashtag Alive, which is a movie from South Korea. But why I really like this zombie movie is that it felt more authentic to me of what could really happen in the real world and also how I would react in this situation. It's about this kid, probably around mid-20s, and he gets stuck in his apartment. There's a zombie apocalypse happening right outside of his door, and he kind of barricades himself in his apartment and then starts communicating with another girl across the way and in her apartment, trying to contact her while also trying to stay alive. And they also kind of form this bond and relationship by communicating through the window. But what I liked about this movie is that it happens at the very beginning of the zombie outbreak and you experience it as the character does of like, what would you kind of do in that situation? You're stuck in your apartment. You have no electricity. You have no food. And also you really don't have many survival skills to get through a zombie apocalypse. You got your cell phone, but without any kind of battery power or Wi-Fi, like, what are you really going to do? And there's some cool parts where he kind of uses a drone to communicate with a girl across the street, finds a way to get food. And even with the language barrier of it being in Korean, I almost feel like it makes you be a little bit more in tune to watching this movie. You're kind of paying attention a lot more. And I think it overall stays pretty true to the zombie genre. As far as the zombies are pretty brainless, they just kind of follow along and they attack wherever they hear noise and they go to kill you. So the zombies aren't really anything unique in this movie. I think it's more of the character situation. It is in present times. The fact that it is a movie with subtitles, I think it makes it more enjoyable. So if you haven't seen that one, it's a newer one I would recommend. I really enjoyed it. And I also like when zombie outbreak movies start from the very beginning, when you're realizing how bad this is getting and you really don't know if they're going to survive. I really don't like it when they're kind of dropped right in the middle of everything. So I would recommend hashtag alive at number five. At number four, I'm going to go with the OG comedy zombie movie, Shaun of the Dead. 2004 and this is kind of my introduction I think really everybody's introduction into Simon Pegg and the whole kind of English comedy and it's not really a parody of a zombie movie aside from the title but it also kind of pokes fun at the genre and not only was it my introduction to Simon Pegg it was also my introduction into the director Edgar Wright who has done a lot of great movies but I think this one is probably one of his best, mainly because it's so kind of career defining. And overall, when I saw you guys submitting all of your comments online, I think this is the one that I saw the most. And overall, I'm a pretty big fan of Simon Pegg. I never really got into all of his movies. I think between this one and Hot Fuzz would be my favorite. But Shaun of the Dead just ranks as my favorite Simon Pegg movie and one of my favorite zombie movies. So I had to put it at number four. At number three, 
I went with I Am Legend from 2007. Now, this is not a full-on zombie movie, but when you realize what happens in this movie, it's basically turning everybody into a little bit more of a sophisticated zombie. This one, you're really kind of put into the whole world of I Am Legend at the kind of the very middle towards the end of the outbreak. You get a little bit of backstory of what happened, what went wrong, what they were trying to do. And then all of a sudden you're Will Smith in the middle of everything trying to survive and save these people, save humanity. And I think for the time when this one came out, it was really kind of on the edge of like zombies becoming a little bit more mainstream once The Walking Dead came out later. But I think it was at a time where we were all like, man, something like this could really happen. This could be something that we would all have to deal with in a movie that I kind of in my brain reference every now and then of like, oh, what if something leads to this? They're developing new things every single day that were like, oh, this could really be the end of us. And I think I Am Legend is a really great representation of that. And the zombies in this movie aren't your traditional zombies. Like I said, they're a lot more advanced. They even look a little bit different. But nonetheless, it is a post-apocalyptic world about people who will kill you and overall take over the world. So I think it was just that factor of it being something that could actually happen. And also a movie that doesn't really have a happy ending, which I think overall zombie movies do not. Maybe one, two people survive, that's it. But there's a lot of sad moments in this movie too. So I think that's also what got me. So I had to put this one at number three. At number two, I always go back to something wanting to make me laugh. Like I, I like that in the horror genre, like a good comedy slash horror goes a very long way for me. So I had to put from 2009 Zombieland. I think this one gets it right, but more so than Shaun of the Dead. Maybe because it's American and I get the references more, but I just think this one is an overall better movie and one that I come back to again and again to rewatch. And one that I think did not deserve a sequel that it got. Ten, like 10 years after this movie came out, they decided to come out with a sequel. I watched the sequel, wasn't that impressed with it because the first one just has everything self contained and I really didn't need to know anything else about the story. So the only thing that takes a little bit away from Zombieland is the fact that they made a sequel. It wasn't a terrible sequel. It just felt like a little bit like, why is this happening now? I think like worse things have happened in the actual world than happened in Zombieland 2. But coming back to Zombieland, I think when I watched this movie, I was kind of able for the first time to put myself into a situation if I was able to survive a zombie apocalypse. And I think it was kind of seeing Jesse Eisenberg's character in the movie being this nerdy kind of neurotic dude in a zombie apocalypse that I realized if I acted like him, I think I could make it like the way he had his rules set for survival, the way everything was very calculated about how he would go about killing zombies and also making friends with people, the whole them only calling each other's by the city's names that they're from. A lot of that kind of stuck in my head of like, okay, if a zombie apocalypse ever breaks out, I'm going to follow rules just like this movie. But not only that, this movie is not just about zombies. It's also a really good love story of how no matter what, when you're all alone in a world, you're still trying to find love. Even if there's zombies all around you trying to kill you, you're still trying to find love because we are all humans and nothing could take that emotion away from us. So I think I took a lot of that away from the movie. And then it's also just a great cast with Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, Woody Harrelson. I think they're funny in it together. And probably the funniest part of the entire movie is without a doubt the Bill Murray cameo. My favorite scene from the entire movie comes with Bill Murray when they go to his mansion and it's actually Bill Murray there. And he's dressed and disguises himself as a zombie to 
essentially camouflage himself so zombies don't recognize him and want to kill him. But ultimately, it leads to his demise. The saddest I've ever been to see Bill Cosby die in a movie, but it's hilarious. Not a spoiler, by the way. That, that's a 10-year role. This movie came out in 2009, so if you haven't seen it yet, and I don't think that will take anything away from you wanting to watch this movie. If anything, it would encourage you to go do so, and then maybe watch the sequel. But before I get into my number one zombie movie... Let's give out some honorable mentions here. Now, I kind of wanted to be cool. Like, I wish I could have been cool and said that all the George Romero movies were my favorite. But to be honest, they're not. Like, I couldn't really talk about those in the way I could about all these other movies. And while I know those paved the way for all of these, I can't say that George Romero's movies were my favorite. I think they have a look to them. They have a whole kind of identity in themselves. And I'm not taking away from what he did as a director, as a filmmaker, but those just aren't my favorite. They feel a little bit more campy to me. And I know that the special effects were kind of, they have their own charm. You know, the blood in those movies are a little more DIY filmmaker style. So while I respect those movies for what they are, they're just not my favorite to watch. Another one that almost made my list was Train to Busan, which came out in 2016. Another movie from South Korea. Basically, it's a bunch of zombies that get onto a train and the panic and terror you can assume that happens with that. I thought it was a great premise for a movie. Overall, really entertaining and very kind of high paced. But I think if I had to compare it to that in Alive, I just liked Alive a little bit more, even though it was a little more subtle, a little bit more of a slow burn. So I just kept that one on as an honorable mention, but another really great one that probably could have made the top five. I would also add in 28 Days Later from 2002, and then kind of in the zombie comedy category, I would have put a movie called Life After Beth with Aubrey Plaza. It's basically this dude's girlfriend who turns into a zombie, and then he kind of lives with it. So that one's pretty funny. If you haven't seen that one, and you're kind of into that comedy horror genre i think that's a great one along those same lines if you're into a comedy romantic movie which i bet you thought couldn't really happen there's a movie called warm bodies which was a surprising hit for me like i was expecting not to like that movie i thought it was gonna be super cheesy but overall it's a pretty good watch i like warm bodies and then the movie that i saw a lot of comments for was world war z with brad pitt I gotta say, I didn't really like that movie. I don't know if it was because it was a book adaptation and they were supposed to make a sequel to it that never got made. I just really didn't love that movie. It wasn't one of my favorites. That one actually didn't really come to my mind when I was thinking about my favorite zombie movies, but I saw a lot of you guys commenting and tweeting about that one, so I will mention it here. But again, it's just not one of my favorites. But at number one... I'm going to go with 2004's Dawn of the Dead, which is actually a George Romero remake. And why I wouldn't include the original, but include the remake, it's because I think this one's just a better movie. What I liked about this one is it does take that original story. It takes that kind of classic zombie movie, but it put it into a modern day situation. It put it into a mall. And overall, I think this one just has it all. I didn't mean to rhyme there, but I did. It happens at a mall and it has it all. Overall, I think out of any zombie movie has the best opening sequence. But not only that, when they play the Johnny Cash song, When the Man Comes Around at the very beginning of this movie, like that inspired me not only as a guy who watches movies, but as a guy who also dabbled in music. Like I learned to play that Johnny Cash song because of this movie. And I think it was so fitting and maybe one of my favorite opening sequence songs in a movie of all time. When the man comes around. But not only that, 
for a movie that came out in 2004, it actually holds up really well. I probably watched it again in the last couple years, and I think it still has everything I look for when watching a zombie movie. And if you're somebody who's just been kind of wanting to get into watching zombie movies, I think this is the one you start with. For me, this is kind of my go-to I think it just has the best story of all these people kind of coming together and trying to survive together, but also not being able to trust everybody. And then you have all these zombies trying to break into the mall and kill everybody, turn them into zombies. And not only that, but you can actually go see the real mall where they filmed this movie. So I had to put that one at number one. That's the list of my top five favorite zombie movies of all time. And since we're talking zombie movies, next I'll get into my review of Army of the Dead from Netflix right after this. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. All right, let's get into one of two movie reviews now. Let's talk about first Army of the Dead, which is a brand new Netflix movie, and it is a zombie heist movie. Yes, you're hearing correctly, a zombie heist movie, basically taking 
two of my favorite things and putting them into one movie. But before I get into this review, here's just a little bit of the trailer. There's $200 million in the vault beneath the strip. With a 32-hour window to get it out. Find the safe. This should be a simple in and out. It's not too late to go back. They're smarter. They're faster. They're organized. So this is not your typical zombie movie, which I've been talking about all episode long. But the way this movie differs is a couple ways. First of all, it is a zombie heist movie. And and again, I won't spoil anything, but overall, the premise of this movie is basically the military was trying to transport these zombies. They're driving through the desert. They crash and one of them gets out and ends up going to Las Vegas and basically turning it into ground zero of a new zombie outbreak. And they're able to keep them all contained into Las Vegas. But the plan now is to completely wipe out the city with an atomic bomb. Almost along the same lines of the premise of the Simpsons movie where they put them all underneath the dome and are going to explode Springfield. Like, that is their plan. So these group of people were able to escape and they're going on and living their lives. And an owner of a casino comes to this guy who is played by Dave Batista and says, hey, I will pay you to gather a crew together and go and get this money that I have in this safe underneath the casino if you are able to do it with however many people you acquire, you will get $50 million to split among everybody. And he is working at a burger joint and basically he's like, you know what? This money could change my life. Let me do this. So it's him taking this entire crew, going to Las Vegas and trying to bust this money out. And then there's also another layer of him trying to mend his relationship with his daughter, which you kind of find out why. And then the other way it's different is that these zombies are a little bit more advanced. Like they're able to think and organize themselves, at least some of them. Like some of them have like this higher IQ and this more kind of advanced motor skill level. They're basically ripped up zombies who can think, who can organize, who can basically build a civilization to where they are growing and becoming smarter and more advanced and also kind of learning to navigate and deal with the human threat outside of these walls. So these zombies are faster, smarter, and overall just kind of a like a level above because they are not only able to bite you and turn you into a zombie, but they can also smash your face in, kill you, throw you off a building. They're very strong, very powerful. So unlike any zombie I've really seen before, so I did like that element. And also, they take it a step further of having zombie animals. There's a zombie tiger. There's a zombie horse. So I think Zack Snyder went full on like making this a lot different. Because if you're going to make a zombie movie in 2021, it has to be something different. So let's talk about the leading man, Batista, first. I, I kind of feel like he is the, the off-brand version of The Rock a little bit. Like if The Rock is Cinnamon Toast Crunch, I think Dave Batista is like the Cinnamon Toasters. Like the version you get... If you can't afford the Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which they I compare the two because they have similar backgrounds, both coming from wrestling, both doing movies now. And I think Dave Batista isn't nearly on the level in no way as The Rock, but they just kind of are in that same kind of lane. And I think Dave Batista has kind of sculpted himself out of being a bigger actor. You know, he's had some success in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, but I haven't really seen him really shine through as a leading actor. So I was like, all right, I'll give him a shot. And I felt like he did a pretty good job. He was pretty believable. 
I feel like he shows a little bit more of a range in this movie. He is able to do like, all right, I'm the big ripped up strong dude doing the action sequences, but he also has a little bit of depth to him with, you know, kind of dealing with the situation with his daughter, some of the dramatic things that happened to him in this movie. I was like, all right, I'm believing Dave Batista kind of having more of a well-rounded skill set. So I was good on that front along the other cast. I thought there were some great picks. Like I loved Tig Nataro as kind of the witty, sassy, wisecracking helicopter pilot. I thought she was a great casting pick for this. If you're not familiar with her comedy, I think she was probably my favorite thing in this movie. I think it needed that kind of comedic element. She really brought it there. And aside from that, I just felt like this cast was a pretty well-represented cast. Like I think that made it more of an enjoyable movie. There's, you know, there's Mexican actresses. You have Japanese actors in this. There's German actors in this movie. I think overall it was just an eclectic cast, which I felt made it more believable and also more enjoyable. And it also kind of led me to the other point of, I felt like the zombies weren't the main threat in this movie. And from the very opening sequence of this movie, I thought it was going to be a lot darker. The opening sequence is pretty hardcore and has a bit more of a darker tone that I thought the entire movie was kind of going to encapsulate. But then later, I feel like it almost lightens up a bit and a little bit the zombie characters lose a bit of their edge. Like they're not as hardcore as I was expecting throughout the entire movie. And at some points, I felt like they were even just a little bit kind of cheesy. Like, I felt like they could be defeated a lot easier than they were made out to seem in the very beginning. Like, I never really felt like they didn't have it under control as far as the characters in the movie trying to fight them. I don't know if that was kind of a thing that Zack Snyder had in his mind that he was trying to kind of make a point there. But I just thought, like, why make them so hardcore in the beginning? But then they never really get back to that. I did, however, love the Vegas backdrop in this entire movie. Like, I think... No one has really done a great zombie movie with all of the famous casinos, the iconic strip. Like that was a very good visual aspect of this and made it a lot more fun to watch. It kind of felt like watching like an Ocean's 13 movie meets like a zombie land meets like a Dawn of the Dead. Like it's all those movies kind of in one. But the other thing that kind of kept me a little bit out of this movie was it was very long at almost two and a half hours. I felt like at least 20 minutes of this could have been chunked out from the middle. It has a little bit of a lull there to where you're like, all right, let's get to it. Let's get to some more action. Let's get to some more killing. Don't really need some of this backstory. Don't really need this other little side plot going on here. And that's also probably a Zack Snyder thing of making the movie a little bit too long. But overall, I thought it was a really fun movie, a pretty violent movie. On the violent scale, I would probably go four out of five as far as the blood and the intenseness of that. So if you're not really comfortable with that, probably not the movie for you. But I do think it's a fun movie. It's easily accessible because if you had Netflix, you can watch it right now. And if I were putting it in my top five zombie movies, I would not. I don't think it's a top five movie, probably not even a top ten. But of the most recent zombie movies, I would say it's a pretty good ride and a worthy watch i would give it about three out of five bite marks on the other front it does make me excited that netflix will have more content like this like really big action movies almost summer blockbusters just right there on netflix so that part does make me a little bit more excited of what's to come and that they're not afraid to kind of get into this space of movies so i think that's another good point double movie review on this episode now i want to talk about a movie called north hollywood which follows the life of this high school kid he's about to go to college but then he kind of decides hey I want to become a pro skater. It's an indie movie, which aside from the movie itself, I think has a really cool backstory of how this movie got made, has an interesting cast, 
And I also kind of had a personal connection with this movie. But before I give my review, here's just a little bit of the North Hollywood trailer. Don't you have water polo practice? I actually just quit. Yeah, I just got to focus on one thing, you know? And what's that? I'm going to be a pro skater. Wow, that's cool. I can. Right hand, straight punch. Straight punch. Good. All right, good. Now move your head. Nothing new. I got to focus on skating. You need structure. So trash. What was that? What was that? So what this movie is about, it's a kid named Michael, and he's in high school living in North Hollywood, California. He has dreams of becoming a pro skater, but he has a dad who is played by Vince Vaughn, and he kind of shuts down his dreams. He's like, you got to go to college. You got to do all these other things you're doing. He's an altar boy at the Catholic church that he's been going to since he was a kid. He's also on the swim team. So his dad's like, all right, you can do all these things and then you can do skating, but school has to come first. Like you have to start applying for college. You have to go out and earn a living wage doing something that's a little bit more tangible. And he kind of decides, you know, I'm a pretty good skater. If I stick to skating all the time and I really focus in on it, there's nothing keeping me from being a pro skater. So that's kind of where this movie takes place in his life. He has a crew of made up of two other people that he's been skating with since he was a kid. They're just lifelong best friends. And then he also has a crush on this girl who he knows from church, who was played by Miranda Cosgrove. And he's always wanted to ask her out and is now at the crossroads of she's about to go to college. I've never made a move before. What if I do it now? And this movie is just kind of a slice of his life right here, right before he goes to college, where basically he decides, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go full fledged. I don't care what my dad thinks. I don't care about going to college. I'm going to make my dreams kind of come true. So I really like the main character in this, Ryder McLaughlin, who plays uh, Michael in the movie. And this movie is very reminiscent of a movie that came out and was directed by Jonah Hill called Mid-90s. Almost kind of the same plot. And it was actually Ryder McLaughlin who was in that movie Mid-90s. And it's also the director of North Hollywood was a co-producer on Mid-90s. So it almost felt like a sequel in a way to that movie kind of like a side like it lived in the same kind of universe as that movie so going into this i already kind of liked it because i was a big fan of mid 90s i think this one has a lot more of a modern feel to it it supposedly takes place in today's world but there's some conflicting things for me like some of them have cell phones but then at his house he has a landline the look of it has a little bit of a 90s feel but i think that's just kind of that hollywood vibe that california vibe they're going with on as far as wardrobe in the movie but it did feel a lot like mid-90s. And this is a movie that was independently made and, and also almost never saw the light of day. Now, the director and writer of this movie is a guy named Mikey Alfred, and it's kind of a semi-autobiographical movie about his life. And he was basically told that this movie was too personal of a movie and that a wide audience really wouldn't find it relatable or really enjoy it because it is kind of about his life. But I actually think he did a really great job as a director for the very first time. Now, it does kind of have that mid-90s feel. Also reminded me of like Lords of Dogtown and a movie called Dope, which if you haven't seen is another great one. But it kind of had that kind of like coming of age movie surrounded by skateboarding. And for me, growing up, I wanted to be a pro skater. So I think that's kind of why I identified a lot with some parts of this movie. And it's mainly with his relationship with his dad, Vince Vaughn, in the movie because he's trying to convince him like you know i want to do something 
that's not the most traditional career to follow. Like there's really no set wage going into me trying to be a pro skater. There's also no real telling whether or not I will achieve it. And his dad is like, you know what? I work in construction. Like you're going to have to come work with me. He's trying to show him how to like lay cement and do all those types of things and really doesn't get that kind of intangible career goal, which I felt like for me growing up, that was a lot. Like I felt for my parents, like they didn't understand when I wanted to skateboard or when I wanted to play music or even when I wanted to get into like podcasting and radio like they were like why are you gonna want to do that just go to college and get a job that you're gonna get like automatically so I think aside from the fact about it being a skateboarding movie it's also kind of a representation of what that kind of dynamic is between a teenage kid and his parent him just trying to be an adult and trying to find a way that he is happy in his life but also make your parents happy now, getting to the skating element of this movie, I thought was great. And what I kind of realized after is all these actors can actually skate. I think that's another really cool part of it is like I was watching it, trying to figure out, like, are they doing CGI to put these in? Do they have stunt doubles? But no, it was actually all them skateboarding, which I thought felt very authentic. And it really kind of made it seem looking back like they wanted to get all that stuff right and make it look as believable as it could be. But I also just think it's the cast of this movie that'll really kind of win you over from Ryder McLaughlin. Uh, Blake Anderson from Workaholics also makes a cameo in it. I think Vince Vaughn was probably my favorite in the movie. And then Miranda Cosgrove, I felt was kind of a random casting. Like I haven't really seen her in much lately. I don't think her character added a whole lot to this. Like I kind of wanted to see their relationship a little bit more. And I also felt like her performance was kind of like she was only halfway there, like only giving like a half performance throughout the entire movie. So not my favorite. But I feel like if this movie would have came out when I was a teenager, it would have easily been my favorite. But I think it's now just kind of a nostalgic watch to have that kind of same feeling that I did back then. So I would give it 3.75 out of five broken skateboards. All right, let's get into some movie news now. The Hocus Pocus sequel has been announced. It's officially coming to Disney Plus sometime in 2022. I feel like this is one that's way too late to remake. I feel it's kind of a, I don't even know if it's a cash grab or what they're trying to do. The only thing that really makes it interesting to me is they do have all the original witches from the movie, which is Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and the other one. <laughs> but they're all coming back to make the sequel to this movie about 29 years after the original. And the weird thing about Hocus Pocus is it wasn't really a big hit when it came out. It's kind of a cult classic now looking back on, you know, Disney movies and Halloween movies. But the original movie didn't really make a whole lot at the box office when it came out, just over time of it coming out on VHS and probably all of us watching it at school around Halloween time is kind of where it's made its money back and kind of become more of a Halloween classic. I think this one is a little bit forced, but I do like the idea of Disney plus putting original movies on the streaming service and hopefully they won't have that kind of $30 premium fee for this one. So have that one to look forward to next year. Also in movie news, the rock is going to voice a character named Crypto in a movie called DC League of Super Pets, which is basically about the pets of superheroes. So it looks like he is playing a character that is Superman's dog who pairs up with a flying cat to save the world while Superman is out on vacation. And that's coming out on May 20th, 2022. I think that's a great premise for a movie. I think it's DC kind of trying to step into the animated space like Marvel has kind of had success in now. They really haven't done it so well yet. And if you get the rock on it, maybe has a chance to kind of be a hit for them, which I think they need. But aside from that, I think if I had a movie conspiracy theory is that there is more than one Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Like, how is he able to do all these movies? He's also working on Black Adam right now and just randomly announces all these other projects on his Instagram. Like, there has to be more than one of him. That is my conspiracy theory. 
And then finally, in movie news, with the release of Spiral, the Saw franchise has now passed the $1 billion mark. And I've been wanting to see this movie. It stars Chris Rock. I saw some mixed reviews on it. And I am not quite ready to go back into a movie theater yet. I think when I do want to go back, I kind of want it to be an event and a movie that I'm going to enjoy and kind of have all the same feelings I did back a year ago when I used to go all the time. And I don't think this Saw movie is it for me yet, so I'm still waiting on that. But it is cool to see movies making money again and actual like box office numbers being a thing. That's going to do it for this week's episode. But before I hop out of here, I got to give my shout out of the week, which I do every single week to all you guys who comment, send me messages, send me emails. The email is moviemikeD at gmail.com. And this one is actually coming to me from the ratings and review section on Apple Podcasts or the podcast. So if you're on Apple Podcasts and you're subscribed, if you go down there, rate it five stars, leave a little review. Sometimes I go there and pick some listener shout out. So this one's actually from a guy named Will Work for Diet Coke. And it says, I really enjoy your podcast. Your recommendations are worthy of watching. And most are ones that I might not have seen unless you talked about them. You're honest and enthusiastic. Thanks for giving us a fun podcast to listen to. Appreciate those reviews. Appreciate everybody who subscribed and listens every single week. And hopefully I don't let you down on these recommendations. So until next week, I will talk to you later. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.